Welcome to the I Will Teach You a Language podcast, weekly doses of language learning tips and motivation to help you become fluent in any language. With me, Ollie Richards. Hello. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the I Will Teach You a Language podcast. Hope you're doing well. Now, back in 2013, I moved from Japan to Qatar, which is a tiny little Gulf state right next to Saudi Arabia. Uh, to take up a new job. And when I was there, I started to learn Arabic just a little bit. I would actually find much more motivation to learn Arabic uh, in my next job, which was in Egypt, uh, because because in Egypt, people actually do speak Arabic, whereas in Qatar, uh, you know, most of the people in the country are actually English-speaking expats who are there kind of building up the country. Anyway, a very curious thing happened when I started to learn Arabic, which was that it was incredibly confusing to know exactly what to learn. Now, this is a very odd statement for those of you who are learning, say, French or Spanish or something like that, because you just think, well, just learn the language, right? Well, as it turns out, it's not that simple. And that's what we're going to be diving into today on the podcast. Before we get into that, I'd like to thank the sponsors of the show, the wonderful italki, where actually through italki, I found my uh, Arabic teacher, Mona, who is one of the best teachers I've ever, ever had. Really, really wonderful. And just like Mona, there are other uh, thousands of other fantastic teachers on italki that you can connect with and take lessons with. And if you'd like to get $10 worth of free credit to put towards uh, your first lesson there, then you can go to iwillteachyourlanguage.com forward slash free lesson. All right, then let's hear today's question. Hi, Oli. How are you doing? I'm Mauricio from Peru, and it's the second time that I send a question to you. So uh, I'm currently learning Arabic. But I'm a little bit confused and I have some doubts if I'm making any mistake or not because I'm I'm currently learning modern standard Arabic because I heard that it's very important to study the modern standard Arabic because it's the real Arabic and it's highly recommended by the native speakers. But on the other hand, I read that in many sides that it's unuseless to learn MSA and I have to study dialect, any Arabic dialect. So I'm a little bit confused of what do I have to study? I have to study both or only one of them. So I wanted to know, to hear your your opinion. What do you think about, about this topic? Thank you very much. Hey, Mauricio, thank you very much for your second question. Uh, Mauricio left a, a question a couple of years ago, episode 112, the question was how to avoid mixing Portuguese and French. Uh, so this is the second question. Thank you very much for, for for coming back and leaving another question. I really appreciate it. I can see you're moving from language to language. You've done Portuguese, you've done French, you're on to Arabic. Uh, so I, you've obviously got a great passion for languages, which is great to see. All right then, so Arabic. You are right to be confused. It's extremely confusing. And... Um, Everybody tells you something a little bit different, but I've met a lot of Arabic speakers, uh, or, or I should say a lot of Arabic learners, second language learners, and um, I've noticed a lot of things in common between those people. So basically what happens with Arabic, depending on who you speak to, you get different answers. If you speak to native Arabic speakers, they will tell you one thing. Um, if you speak to sort of newbie Arabic learners, they'll tell you something else. If you speak to teachers, they'll tell you something else. And if you speak to people that have actually sat down and learned and become fluent in Arabic, they will tell you something else. Now, I prefer to pay attention to the people who have actually done it. 
All right. So let me run through this topic and try and pick it apart for you. Uh, the, ultimately, it is going to come down to your aims, Mauricio. Okay. So you, you, as you're listening to this, you need to think to yourself, okay, well, what is the reason that I'm learning? Um, because that is going to affect the way you, you approach this topic. All right. So let's start off with uh, a few, a few basics just to, to lay the groundwork for this. There are typically considered to be three forms of Arabic. Uh, the first one is Quranic Arabic, and this is the, the Arabic that you will read in the Quran itself. Uh, so it's a very, very um, literary, scholarly form of, of the language. Secondly, you've got MSA, or Modern Standard Arabic. And this is the, the what we could, I guess the clue is in the name, right? We can call this the standard form of Arabic. Um, and this is a written language. Okay, So you will find it... Uh, Books will be written in MSA. Newspapers are written in MSA. Also, um, in very formal situations, like a news broadcast or in, in the government office, uh, you will hear MSA being spoken. Okay. Now, apart from those situations, you will never, ever hear modern standard Arabic being spoken. Hardly ever. Sometimes people might do it for, for, for effect, you know. But basically, local people across the Arab world do not speak to each other or to themselves in modern standard Arabic. Okay, if you go to Egypt, then people will speak to you in Egyptian Arabic dialect. If you, if an Egyptian person goes to Syria, they will speak, the Egyptian person will speak Egyptian Arabic, and the Syrian person will speak their local dialect, Syrian Arabic, together. Okay, so Arabic speakers from across the Arab world communicate to each other in their own dialects, which are mostly mutually intelligible. Okay, so someone from Syria or Iraq can understand someone from from Egypt or Saudi Arabia with different levels of difficulty. Now, there are some exceptions. So someone from Morocco, in Morocco, they have a very, very different form of Arabic. Um, so someone from Morocco and Saudi Arabia <clears throat> may not be able to understand each other that well. But, you know, on the whole, people who speak different Arabic dialects can communicate. Okay, so this is the important point. The way that you speak Arabic for practical daily use in any situation is going to be in a dialect. It's not going to be more than standard Arabic. Okay. So once you realize this, if you plan to speak the language, if you plan to go and live in an Arabic speaking country, if you have friends or a girlfriend or, um, or whatever, any situation where you plan to be practically communicating with Arabic speakers, then in my view, it only makes sense to learn the dialect. Now, how can you justify learning anything else? It would be like me saying, I want to learn Cantonese, and so I'm going to go and learn Mandarin first. Yes, they're related, but they're actually different languages. So that's my basic position on this, but it's not that simple. We have to, we have to row back from there because there are all kinds of practical considerations that uh, make for this not to be such an easy, an easy question. So in theory, you would learn the dialect. What happens in practice is the following. Uh, Arabic dialects are extremely undocumented and under-resourced. And this stems from the fact that spoken Arabic and written Arabic are different. Okay, so generally what happens is if you go to Egypt, I'll, I'll use Egypt because it's the example I'm familiar with, Okay, the context I'm familiar with. If you speak to people in the street, you will speak in dialect, Egyptian dialect. Now, if you were going to write a letter to them, you would not write the same thing. Okay, You would not write what you speak. Instead, you would write standard Arabic, which is the more literary, proper, if you like, form 
of Arabic. And that's how you communicate in the written way. Now, I was very surprised when I worked in Egypt to find that, um, you know, in the office, often um, we would want to uh, write a, a letter or a note to uh, to customers. And I would, uh, obviously, I, I, I can speak Arabic, I can't write Arabic, very hard. Um, so I would need to find someone to write this this uh, this memo for me that would go out to customers. And in an office of 100 people, there may be two or three people only who are able to write formal Arabic, which is, I, I, I couldn't wrap my head around this at first. You know, can you imagine, you know, in, in, in the UK, for example, which is where I'm from, um, not being able, finding anyone, any kind of educated person in, a, in an office being unable to write a memo to go out um, publicly. It, in, in, in the English language, it simply doesn't happen. Okay, you can have people who write more or less well, uh, more or less articulately or grammatically accurately, but basically you can all write something that goes out, right? In Arabic, not the case. Because in, in general, stuff for public communication or professional communication, only those people who have studied modern standard Arabic at to a university level are able to write that down because there are so many rules. It's incredibly difficult. Right, so we would have to kind of, uh, even though we had a, you know, a couple of hundred people in the office, we would have to wait for the kind of two or three people who were able to write in formal Arabic to be free so they could actually write this letter for us. Okay. So that starts to give you then an insight into what the challenge is. Okay, So you've got the spoken language and the written language. And because the dialects are spoken languages, textbooks and resources basically don't exist. Now, there are some. You can probably find a kind of colloquial Egyptian Arabic or something. They're mostly going to be phrase book based. Even some of the... So you're saying you'll have like the English transliteration, which is just awful. Um, But, you know, it just gives you something to start using, right? The most popular... Um, Egyptian Arabic textbooks are completely in Arabic with no English, which means you have to have a teacher to help you. It's basically very, very hard. And the way I got around this when I learned Egyptian Arabic was I just did, I, I just had tutors. So I would meet uh, people. I kind of connected with people at my office and asked them to kind of sit with me and help me practice. And we would sit for, you know, two or three times a week. Um, I would, uh, you know, try to say things in Arabic and they would, uh, help me say them and I'd, I'd like a language exchange basically um, and I would slowly kind of build up my ability to communicate um, in the language that way because all I was really interested in doing was actually speaking yeah? so even though I would recommend that you learn the dialect of Arabic that, which you're interested in in practical terms this is extremely hard to do right because of because of materials and resources any textbook that you pick up about arabic is going to be about modern standard arabic with a few exceptions but on the whole that's what you're going to find so and so if you are in peru Mauricio, and you you are faced you you want to learn egyptian arabic then the big challenge is not so much well how much do i want this but it's, it's actually how practically speaking am i going to do it because you're going to run into so many problems. You're not going to be able to find resources. You're not going to be able to find textbooks. You can find teachers, but then often the teachers as well, you know, you need, you need, you need more than that. And so then this, this is kind of brings us to the next point, which is even if you do just learn to speak the dialect, by doing that, you are not learning to read and write. And as I've found in, in, the, in the harder languages that I've learned, 
if you don't learn to read and write a language, then you run into some pretty serious problems once you get to intermediate stage and above. All right, so you can get to a fairly decent intermediate level of speaking in a language like Arabic um, just by doing things like language exchanges, doing some listening, um, uh, you know, taking taking some lessons, com- learning conversational Arabic. But the problem is then as soon as you get to this kind of intermediate level, what happens is the next things you have to learn uh, become much less commonly spoken stuff, right? It's more academic language, more literary language, more formal language. And in order to be exposed to this stuff, you have to be able to read. Otherwise, you simply never come across this vocabulary. And so then you're left with this problem of, okay, well, I speak the language, but I can't actually read it. And then at that point, you're kind of, you're in this quite awkward position, which I found myself in before. I'm in this position with with Cantonese right now, where I can speak the language pretty well, but I can't read it. And that's an incredibly demotivating situation to find oneself in, to be illiterate in a language that you can actually speak. Because you have to then go back to the beginning and start to learn to read and write. Now, in Arabic, it's not so difficult to read and write because there's only, I think, 28 letters in the alphabet. But the vocabulary is different between more than standard Arabic and the dialect. And so you're in this kind of chicken and egg situation, much like what happens with with Chinese. The, the, The big debates in Chinese is should you learn to read and write Chinese characters at the beginning when you first start or should you wait until you've learned to speak a little bit? Uh, the reality is that if you plan to become, um, to get to a high level in Arabic, if you want to take the language seriously and learn it for the long term and be able to use it, you know, very well and professionally, you need to learn to read and write. It's indispensable. And so in that situation, you're going kind to of then, you still got this question of, okay, well, should I learn to read and write at the beginning or should I wait? And if you choose to learn to read and write at the beginning, then in that case, it makes much more sense to learn more than standard Arabic because it's so well resourced. You're going to be able to find tons of textbooks, tons of material, tons of teachers to help you out um, with that. It's You're going to have a much easier time. And so you're going to, I think when you're first getting to grips with a language, the path of least resistance is a very attractive one. And so in that scenario, then you're going to be faced with learning to read and write um modern standard arabic which is a a big task it's going to take you at least a year or two because it's a difficult language and then you would transition gradually or at the same time if you'd like to the spoken uh dialect i think probably um if i were going to do this again from the beginning and arabic was a long-term project for me and i intended to become to take it to a very high level i think what i would probably do is uh what my friend Steve Kaufman is currently doing. He's learning Arabic right now, as we as we as we speak, April two thousand eighteen, um, and he is doing modern standard Arabic. And he is simply uh, he, he got a few videos about this on YouTube. Actually, you should go and check them out. He has got all these um, stories that he's got in in Arabic, and he's listening to them over and over. He's learning to uh, to read slowly and painfully <laughs> based on what he said um but he is just building up this knowledge in modern standard arabic and he's doing it the steve calvin way which is very you know he's uh, got his own method that he's using um which involves a lot of reading and listening to these stories um but you could do it just as easily with a textbook and other formal resources if that's the way you prefer but the point is that he is learning modern standard arabic aiming to get a foundation 
in the language. And I think that's what I would do now if I was going to start from the beginning. I'd focus on modern standard Arabic. I would study very hard, try to get my level to, you know, as good as it can be quite quickly. Because once you've got that foundation, then your options are open. You know, you can, you can, you can transition to a dialect if you want, um, or else you could keep studying MSA so that you can, you know, read and write more and then kind of learn the dialect on the side. Um, you can still communicate with people in modern standard Arabic. It's just that that's not the language that they speak. So it's not like you are unable to communicate because you are. And so to, to try and wrap this up, then, Malisio, I think you've really got two choices. Choice number one is to focus just on speaking. And you would do that with the people around you or the people from the community you're interested in. Remember, I said earlier, it comes down to your motivation. So this is it. This is this is this is the big question. Why are you learning Arabic? If it is just to speak to people in your local community or something, then figure out what dialect they are speaking and just learn that because you're going to be able to start to communicate with them very quickly. I have a speaking based approach with lots of language exchanges, lots of um, speaking time on iTalkie or something like that. Uh, listening as much as possible, maybe YouTube videos, things like that. Um, but then with that approach, you have to remember that trouble is in store further down the line. Okay. Um, option number two is what you would follow if you have a more general interest in Arabic or you want to take the language very seriously and take it to a very high level over many years. And in that case, I would learn modern standard Arabic um, quite seriously not because it's you're going to be able to use it in speaking right away, but it because it is going to give you the foundation that will allow you to do anything else later on in the language. So I hope that was useful. I'm aware that this is uh, not without controversy, this kind of answer. Um, so if you are an Arabic expert, so if you have experience with Arabic and you'd like to um, reply to some of the things I've said, please do come to the show notes. I will teach you a language.com forward slash episode 251. Maybe you have a different viewpoint or some tips for Mauricio there. If you'd like to ask me a question, you can go to I will teach you a language.com forward slash ask in order to do that. Now, at the end of every episode, I like to leave you with a resource of some kind on the topic of the show. And uh, I thought I'd leave you with a a little video that I did um, in Arabic and about Arabic. So only a little bit in Arabic, I think, but it's when uh, my friend Jan came to visit me in uh, Egypt back in 2014. Oh, it was a long time ago now. Anyway, we sat outside on my balcony in Cairo and we recorded a, a video. He was asking me questions about Arabic. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes. You can find it again at iwillteachyourlanguage.com forward slash episode 251. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. You know, one of the questions I get asked most often about language learning is how to improve your memory. Because things get so much easier when you learn new words and you don't forget them later in conversation when you really need them. So what I decided to do was to put together a, a, a short email course. It's a three-part email course over three days that teaches you my favorite techniques for memorizing vocabulary and actually putting that vocabulary into your long-term memory. It's a short course, three days, it's completely free, and if you'd like to sign up for it, please go to iwillteachyourlanguage.com forward slash free memory course.